Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it, and the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. This is a special Earth Month episode on the CMO Podcast. My guests today are from a company I know pretty well and a company that is a leading force in the movement toward more sustainable brand building. The company is, you likely guessed it, P&G. I am joined today by Mark Pritchard, P&G's Chief Brand Officer, and Marco Northern, the Senior Vice President and General Manager of P&G's North American home care business with brands such as Swiffer, Dawn, and Cascade. P&G is, of course, the iconic consumer goods company with sales around $80 billion and $25 billion brands. P&G is 186 years old this year and has always been a leader in sustainable business practices. Over the past few years, the company has taken that to a new level with a commitment to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions by 2040. They're also pioneering novel ways to bring consumers better products that are also better for the environment. And it's P&G, so of course they have a tagline for it. It's our home, made better, made to save. Here's my conversation with two great leaders who also have great chemistry together, Mark Pritchard and Marco Northern. Welcome, Marco and Mark, to this special Earth Month edition of the CMO Podcast. Mark, you have been with P&G, I think, 41 years. Congratulations. It's 40. On 40, its way to okay. 41 in about a month. <laughs> All right, just, just 40. Just saying. And, and Marco, you're a youngster. You've been, what, 24 years with P&G? 25, rounding to 26. Uh, oh, all right. June. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're both more. I was there 25 years, but I've been gone 15. Wow. So before we start talking about sustainability, I have a question for each one of you. And that is, what's changed the most in P&G in the last 15 years? And what has not changed? So who wants to jump in and start this very, very conceptual question to get us started today? So, Jim, I'll start. And I love that question. And what I tell you, um, I'd start with what hasn't changed. And I think, you know, the company is so rooted in our purpose, values and principles and just the quality of talent that we have. Like, I think those are just hallmarks of the company and they just continue to be. I think what has changed, at least in the area um, where I've had responsibilities in North America the most, has just been the pace of innovation and the pace of, um, or, or just the, I think it's just the differences required to reach consumers has evolved tremendously. So I remember, and you will remember, I remember going to Jim Stengel marketing hours. Mm. And talking about, you know, just the rigor at which we work on a TV spot um, or a print ad. And I think just the sheer amount of content that we create today, like we just couldn't even see it all today. Like, I mean, I remember thinking about 
tabletop processes and we're bringing in everything. And, and that just is not the world that we live in. Like you'd have to do a tabletop daily almost for just the amount of content that we're putting out. So I, I think just the way or the scale um, of assets required to reach the consumer has changed dramatically. And now we have AI and all the language learning models, right. which is going to be a whole new level of innovation and speed and that's right. customization. Yeah. So I think that that is... Um, that's what that's what makes it exciting. But I, I think it's by far one of the biggest changes. But I'll turn it over to the expert because I'm sure he has something brilliant to say no. about what's changed and been the same. Well, I'll start with the brilliance of what you said at the beginning, which is what hasn't changed, which is the purpose, the values, the principles and the and the, the incredibly high quality and integrity of the people that are part of P&G. Um, and I would say, though, the composition of the of the um, of the people has changed. The diversity has mm -hmm. changed. We are now oh so close from fifty percent of our managers being women, and and that's a pretty substantial change. Um, the diversity from a from a race, ethnicity, um, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, ability, all that has changed. Open, discussed, and Marco and I are working a lot about how we turn that into growth through multicultural marketing growth. And that that's a you know, that's something, Jim, you remember had, had been around. But I think that the traction for that has has dramatically accelerated and, and seen as as a as a major growth opportunity, which is super, super exciting. What's changed big time is uh, and, and Marco, you touched on it, is where I was going to go is the way in which we build brands. The brand building framework that our friend Jim Stengel um, pioneered. Going back into history here. Back 25 years ago, at least 25 mm -hmm. years ago, the who, the what, the how is the same. Um, how we deliver has changed. Jim, I remember when we were at the uh, Global Leadership uh, Council meeting and, and you were talking about digital and how digital was 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 coming and we needed to get on with it. And we were spending maybe 2% of our media in digital at the time. We're more than 50% now. Mm. In some parts of the world, like China, we're 90%. And uh, and and your point is right to the to now where um, you know everything we do is is a is is constantly being affected in some way by data and digital technology. Pampers now reaches 98% of their consumers starting with first party data that they that they get from their Pampers club then moving it to programmatic digital then to programmatic streaming uh, it's it's amazing uh, you know just just over in China um uh, you know their their ability to be able to connect with somebody from from broad scale i video to TikTok social media to e-commerce of which more than 50% of their sales are e-commerce um you know that's just testimony to how things have, have changed, yet it still comes down to who's your consumer? What are you trying to do to serve them? What are their needs? How do you communicate with a campaign with a brand equity uh, benefit that delivers superior performance and value? The same, Beautiful. but different. And I'd underscore, and PNG's ability to change and shift, you know, I think is something that's just remarkable at 186 this year. So yep. uh, I just want to punctuate 
what you said there, Mark. Uh, I was at a program at the Kellogg School about two weeks ago. It's an annual program, a marketing leadership summit, brings academics together and practitioners. And I sort of helped facilitate it and design it. And at the end of the day, I got up to summarize and four women on that agenda who were keynotes were women of color with PNG background. Mm-hmm. And I just said, including Tracy Brown at Walgreens, who made the most remarkable speech. Mm-hmm. And I just said to everyone, I just feel a trem- tremendous amount of pride that I worked at that company that has nurtured and, and supported and sponsored this kind of talent to move into other industries and to make a huge mark. And, and Marco, you're a living example of that. Thank you. All right. Now to our topic, sustainability and brand building. Now, I know that you know this, that any change in a company, any positive change in a human being in a company has to be meaningful to people on a personal basis. And I would like each of you to talk about how and why this area, which PNG has been such a leader in, why is this meaningful to you as a person, as a business leader? Marco, why don't we start with you? Sure. Sustainability is foundational for me. And I start with my four daughters. So I have four Mm. girls. Uh, They're 14, 12, 10, and seven. And I view it as our responsibility to them to leave the world as good, if not better than what we found it. And I think the actions that we get to take right now as business leaders is so important to that. You know, we talked about the importance and the quality of people that PNG attracts and develops. And this is a really important issue to our employee base. Um, it is absolutely essential for um, the people who we hire to know that they are impacting the world in a positive way. And our brands play a critical role to being able to enable that. And so when I think about why sustainability is so front and center as a business leader today, it is because of our um, social responsibility, but it's also so key to us being around for another 186 years is continuing to attract the type of talent that wants to innovate and actually make a real impact on the world. Wow, Mark. And that's hard to, that is hard hard to, to follow, follow. <laughs> but I'll, so I'll follow with some similarities. Uh, it starts at home. Uh, it starts with my, uh, my wife, Betsy, and my three daughters, uh, who, who are very sustainable yes. and, and have pushed it w- well beyond um, you know, what I would have done by myself. And uh, in terms of buying locally, uh, g- gardens, Mm-hmm. The, the, uh, the, the push that I got from my middle daughter who went to a, uh, a college in Vermont and then worked on a biodynamic farm that helped us understand what that was all about, what, what was necessary to be able to, to, to live and farm dy- uh, in a biodynamic way. My, my youngest daughter, who is a um, uh, herbal uh, studies in herbal medicine and other things. So there's just this kind of part of the part of the ecosystem of our, of our family. But Marco said it extremely well. We don't have a choice. We, we've got to be a company that, um, that, that builds for the, for the future and, and designs for the future. So um, the company and the people that we bring into the company, our employees and the, and the, all the, the people that we, that we work with, 
um, have have a, a runway for the future. Um, and I think what we've been able to do is we've been able to think about this in terms of how we build it in to how we operate, not bolt it on. Mm-hmm. Take care of our own operations to reduce the footprint, innovate so we can help consumers and then help the industry in whatever we can. And uh, that that's exciting. And it's also worth uh, it's worth a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's a great way to create value and it does good. So it is truly that force for growth and force for good that we're trying to achieve. Well, let's kind of go into that space now, Mark, about, you know, how you integrate it. I mean, P&G, we said, is uh, one of the oldest companies in the world, one of the most admired. The mantra, do the right thing, has been around for, if not all that 186 years, a lot of them. It's always had sustainability, I think, in its blood, right? Uh, But Mm -hmm. it has definitely ramped up to new levels in the last few years, at least from what I see. Bold commitments that you're making publicly, broader industry involvement, Mark, which you just referred to, a new company campaign. I love it. It's our home, made better, made to save. So I'd like you to talk about this ramp up, beginning with the catalyst. Take us back to, I know you said how this is personal to you and meaningful, but what was it in the company? Was it consumer data? Was it was it the feeling of certain individuals? Was it a category that started or a brand that started to make its mark? If there was one, what was the origin story of this tremendous innovation and commitment that I see from P&G? I think, you know, Jim, we could probably go back, um, you know, probably about 20 years ago, maybe even maybe even a little bit longer. You said it. It's always kind of been in there. Mm-hmm. Um but I can remember, uh, I remember a conversation with Susan Arnold, who I was working for in the early 2000s, who was saying, you know, we, we got to get on sustainability. And it was just, it was, it was a very poignant moment when she said it. So the senior leadership. And uh, uh, then we had um, some folks who were working in the area and we were working with people like Bill McDonough externally, who has kind of created this cradle to cradle. Yep. type of a, of a mindset. So we began some of the efforts to try to learn a lot about our own operations and then set some goals, set some goals for 2010, then set some goals for 2020. And, um, you know, our, our CEOs declared it uh, and, and said it was important. I would say it started really accelerating um, in around 2014-15, um, Virginie Helios, uh, who is now our chief sustainability mm-hmm. officer, kind of, kind of rang the wake up call bell. Part of it came down to the stand. I remember looking out, uh, the window at our, um, our towers when there was a large, um, poster unfurled from Greenpeace <laughs> that yeah. was basically, you know, calling us to task. And so there are a couple of these elements which said, you know what, this is heating up. We need to get more organized on it. And then it was David Taylor declared it as one of our citizenship priorities. And that began an effort looking not only at our own footprint, but starting to look at innovation. And then our current CEO, John Moeller, has come out and made it a major focus area. So in addition to our strategies, he's put environmental sustainability as one of the major focus areas. And now what we have is it's a regular drumbeat 
of activities to where it is becoming truly built in. So I, I wouldn't say there's one, one, mm-hmm. one catalyst. And within that, of course, what always came to the forefront was where are consumers on this? And, you know, 20 years ago, there was a small group of consumers who really cared. Now that's become far more mainstream. Still, 90% of people want to do something about sustainability, but only about 11% actually do because that's where we need to help make it easy for them to do that. And that's where innovation comes in. Marco, you started your career at P&G in supply chain, right, which I think has always had sustainability at its core. So could you give your perspective on this ramp up? This and and what 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 you're learning from PNG's tremendous focus in the space to add to what Mark said. Sure, I think from the plant standpoint, we've always had a real commitment, really from the context of cost savings, right? Or just as we think about ways to eliminate waste, is kind of the culture mm-hmm. in our plants. And so I think that that has always been um, one of the areas of focus for us, and we've made meaningful progress over decades in terms of how we think about eliminating waste in our operations. I think that Mark was very generous with his comments about others and the work that they've done. I I would have to highlight the work though that he's done as well, because I I think, you know, he talked about the importance of moving sustainability from bolt-on to being integrated into how we do our work. And I think he has been a major change agent of that. You know, I think one of the things about our company is that we tend to not want to commit to things externally until we're sure that we can actually deliver those things. And I think that that has been true in the, in the context of sustainability, where many of our competitors have been out there, you know, espousing different things. But we've really said, hey, let's commit when we know that we have the infrastructure. And I think he's really been a huge champion of enabling that. And not making sustainability um, solely an activity unto itself, but really thinking about how do we make sustainability core to how we think about superiority for our brands. And that, I think, is the game changer when you really think about it, because that is what really unlocks the other 80% of consumers who want to do something with sustainability, but are not today. And so I, I would, you know, be remiss to not call him out as being one of those people on the list that has really driven a significant change in terms of how our company thinks about and is organizing to be able to go after the big consumer opportunity in this space. Thank you, Marco. You're- Mark, you, sh- you should let your three daughters have your three daughters listen to the show. They'll be very <laughs> proud of their dad. I will. I will definitely do that. And I, and I appreciate that. It's but just to add on it is. Marco said something that's important, which was something that we carefully focused on, which was how do we truly make this mainstream is superiority that's more sustainable. So it's a a very carefully chosen phrase is that we wanted to ensure because, you know, our our business model is is focused on daily use, cleaning, health and hygiene products or performance drives brand choice, which means we need to have a superior performing product package communications retail execution and value, when we focused on superiority that's sustainable, that's when people started getting really excited because now you can come up with a way to clean better and make it more sustainable. And Marco's being modest as well because the home care uh, organization that Marco leads, Cascade in particular, was one of the pioneers to really come up with a way where, you know, Cascade is is, uh, a superior performing 
dishwashing product, that actually uses less water. Um, brilliant campaign that's making a huge difference. Not necessarily, and even many cases, not even focused on sustainability, just focused on the benefit. And that's where it makes it easy for consumers to use because they don't want to trade off that performance. What would you say is the key to success for today's CMO? If you said data, you wouldn't be the only one. At Deloitte, however, we believe data is only half of the equation. The other half, story. Because data is the language of business, but story is the language of humans. And we believe the most successful CMOs know how to harness the power of both data and story. To learn more about Deloitte's CMO program and how we can help today's CMOs succeed, visit cmo.deloitte.com. I was reading a study uh, on the ANA's website that I think BCG helped with, and, and P&G is obviously a big part of the ANA. It was looking at all the categories and which ones from the consumer perspective are leading, and home care was at the top. So, Marco, I'd like you to talk a bit about that. Uh, why is home care at the top? What role has P&G played? Mark talked about Cascade, but it was really interesting for me to see such a category that's fundamental to P&G to be at the top of how consumers see brands leading in sustainability. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, both brands or, or all of our brands have a, a really rich history as we think about the opportunity to drive significant improvements in performance. Um, and one of the things, Jim, that we're learning about in this space is really the importance of convenience and lowering that mental load. And so when we talk about convenience, one of the things that we're learning is that the mental load is really the time that the consumer from the time she starts or he starts thinking about the task till they actually complete the task and can move on to the next thing. And one of the things I would say home care has done well over decades is really look for opportunities to reduce that mental load for consumers. So if you think about the mop and bucket job, as an example, Swiffer really revolutionized that job because it reduces the mental load. I don't have to think about who's in the house before I mop the floors so that they don't, you know, walk on them right after I get done. I don't have to think about prepping the water. All I need to do is literally take the Swiffer out and start mopping. The floor has, it has a quick dry, you know, formula. So all of those things I think have played in over time in terms of how home care just simply innovates to be able to deliver some of these sustainable benefits. The thing that I would tell you that I think is particularly exciting is as we've lived through what we've lived through over the last few years and really had sustainability come more to the forefront, um, it's obvious or more obvious how our brands can really play a role, both in terms of energy savings as well as water reduction savings. And the results that these brands can deliver while still providing superior performance is what I think is the game changer. Um, so if you think about, you know, we recently launched um, Cascade Platinum Plus and we've been advertising it as, you know, you don't need to pre-wash and there's no rewash required after you use because there are no failures with this product. And so what that actually enables consumers to do is save over 100 gallons of water a week. That is a game changer and it saves time. And it does all those things that we've talked about in terms of reducing mental load for the consumer. So those are the things that I think are the ands to Mark's point. Like we don't even have to necessarily talk about the energy or water savings because the core benefit is so compelling. And that's just the natural outcome of it is that we actually have all these water and energy savings to boot. 
Mark, we, we're talking about Cascade. From your perspective, what are some of the other brands that are beacons for P&G's progress and sustainability? I know it's integrated into how you think about brands now, but what other brands do you think have been kind of experimenting, showing the way, being a, a, a brand that others look up to in the company? Because I know that's a dynamic within P&G and a very powerful one. You're innovating all around the world on multiple brands and you learn from each other. And that's one of the incredible strengths of this great organization. So what other brands, Mark, would you highlight? I, well, I wanted to add on top of, of, of the Cascade uh, marketing brilliance that they that uh, Marco has done. First was the uh, Do It Every Night campaign from Cascade. Uh, that gives people to use the dishwasher more often and save save water because four gallons of water go through your dishwasher versus uh, in a cycle versus every two minutes when you wash. Amazing insight. Mental load point. Uh, Platinum Plus, they now have a, 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 a behavior they call scrape, load, done. That's all you got to do. Don't pre-wash, scrape, yeah. load, done. Fairy liquid. Uh, fairy is a is the uh, the uh, the dawn equivalent and the cascade equivalent in in the UK. They're actually quite good as well. Um, they the the behavior is is a little different, and what's important is a little different in the UK, particularly now. There's an energy savings possibility of washing on a short cycle. So if you can turn to a short cycle, you'll use less water and less energy, and it takes less time. Uh, another a good example is um, is Tide, of course. Tide, Tide cold water, and, and you know you remember back when we introduced the first variant of cold water. Well, now they've upgraded their entire uh, portfolio of products to wash in cold, and and it's a superior wash in cold. And what they've been able to do is um, get a better wash. Plus, there's also benefits at less shrinkage of your clothes, less damage on your clothes, more color. Uh, safe over over time, and it reduces ninety percent of the energy of heating the water, and can save you one hundred and thirty dollars. So, Tide's a good example. On the other side of the of the ocean is Ariel that does the same thing. Um, it's just uh, they they have a more it, they they're more explicit about the environmental sustainability benefit of how washing in cold can basically remove a million cars from the road. Um, so those are those are two very very strong examples. We're now seeing some new examples. Um, Head and Shoulders is coming out with a a new product called Bear, uh, which is uh, nine ingredients. Um, so it's in a in a in a in a eco package that literally you can you can roll it up. It's that it's that malleable and um, but it's also uh, from a nature standpoint, uh, takes a money, many of the ingredients out. Herbal, uh, herbal essence, bio-renew, natural ingredient, literally real natural ingredients sourced from and working with Royal Botanical Gardens Q to come up with uh, plant-based shampoo and, and conditioner. Um, even something as simple as Gillette going to pl- from plastic all over their package, which was virtually impossible to get in unless you use industrial grade scissors to a cardboard pack, which now uh, the cardboard pack, it actually has made the packaging better. It's easier to get into. 
It looks better. It's easier to shelve. It's added sustainability, superiority across multiple elements of this. So um, I could go on. We don't have enough time, but you, you get the point that it's really getting built in. Oh, fabulous examples. Hey, I know you're taking a global perspective on this, but you know, I'm, I still live in Cincinnati. I'm a resident. And I've noticed even what you're doing locally, right? Just this month, there is a recycling hackathon where you're a partner in that, as is Kroger and Fifth Third Bank and University of Cincinnati and other organizations. So I just love that P&G is this iconic global company that so many people admire, but you don't forget about the cities where you do business and the communities where you do business. So I'd like you to talk a bit about what you do as leaders to keep that culture that way, where you kind of don't forget where you're from while you do, you know, this combination of global local, I think is another tremendous strength of the company. I'd like you to talk a bit about that as it relates to sustainability. You know, the thing I would say is one of the things that where we started is our employees care deeply about the matter of sustainability. And so it is one thing to do it in terms of how we actually approach our brand building it also is important that we have an impact in the communities that we operate and serve. And so some of it is like local river cleanups that some of our organizations do, you know, here with the little Miami, mm-hmm. but it also is, you know, linked to our brands and saying, Hey, beyond just the water savings that a cascade can offer, how might we partner with local agencies or with national agencies in the case of change the course and say, how could we impact water savings more broadly and, and, and um, really participate in water reclamation efforts. And so I think it is like really pulling that thread all the way through because even for our um, consumers, it matters to them as well to know that our brands aren't just, you know, looking to be self-serving, but also see the opportunities beyond to say, hey, we would love to play a part. It'd be great that we also do some things within the community to say, how might we help support uh, places like uh, the Colorado River Basin and refilling that. Like those are just ways that I think it it reflects the character of our company and the character of our brands to go beyond just, you know, selling product, but to say, hey, we really want to make a difference. Those are the people that we hire, but that's, you know, just what we get to do um, as P&G. And so I, I think it's one of those things that really serves as a pride point for us, Um for me personally, but I think also mm-hmm. for all of the employees here. Mark, anything to add to that? Yeah, you know, I think it's built in to our culture because it's it it's built into how we've operated for this, you know, some 186 years. You know, William Cooper Proctor, who was the grandson of of the founders, created the community chest for Cincinnati for under for people who are underprivileged and underserved because he recognized that a healthy community is going to be healthy for society and healthy for um for the company so that that part of it that community piece has always been important our manufacturing plant employees take great pride in 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 working in their community i worked in the mahoopany plant um you know marco worked in manufacturing that you really you get the fabric of the company when you're in those places. So then when you have a, something like the Colorado Basin project, you know, the people in Box Elder, Utah can get involved in that because, because it's part of, part of their community. The, the thing, um, I would, it would go back to something that we've, when it comes to the sustainability point, we've made it explicit what, what our, 
uh, focus is, is one, reduce the footprint of our operations, two, help consumers by innovating reduce their footprint, and three, help the industry and the communities in which we live and work to reduce their footprint. So these community efforts like recycling um, make a difference. Uh, the uh, We did, for the Tokyo Olympics, we, we did a recycling project which allowed us to be able to turn all the recycled plastic products, which included, you know, many of ours, um, into the podium. Um, we have, a, 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 in addition to some of the programs that, that um, Marco was talking about, we have a technology that, that we're focusing on to help the industry. Um, there's a technology, we call it Holy Grail. What it is, is a, it's a digital watermark that goes onto packaging that allows the sorting at the local recyclers to sort product more effectively to help uh, make sure that we can, you can get it into the right recycle stream. And then we have a technology that uh, is able to actually cleanse and repurpose the plastic to make it 99% pure. Bottom line, it's built in and it's, it's just, it's part of the integrity and the values of our company. Another thing that's built into PNG is the, the way the company codifies best practices. I mean, just, I don't know if there's anywhere in the world better at that across regions, across functions, across the world. So Mark, you talked about the brand building framework and how sustainability is not a bolt on. It's integrated into how we think about building brands, superiority with sustainability. So could you talk a little bit about the codification of that? What are some of the principles that underlie that? How do you teach brand building now? Different from how you might have taught it when I was there. It's a very principle-based company. <laughs> I know that. Uh, as, you, as you are making this uh, evolution in how you build brands, you know, what are some of the principles that you're sharing and teaching with your brand builders across the world? We, we continue to share uh, within, within the framework of our superiority model uh, that it starts with the consumer. It starts with who. Who are you serving? What's the job to be done? You also want to take into consideration the context in which someone's cleaning so they can reduce water, reduce energy, reduce waste. Um, so getting that insight is critically important. Then translating it into what the brand stands for. <laughs> What's your brand equity benefit? It's still the same, the same benefit. But then also back to what, what the principle that, that Marco talked about was this, this point around um, superiority that's sustainable. So, so it's, it's cleaning that's more sustainable, cleaning that uses less water, cleaning that uses less energy, cleaning so that you, that principle we've really focused on to ensure people get that part. And then how you bring it to life um, is still, it's, the, it's the, the zero first and second moments of truth that really are just the five vectors of superiority. And uh, so we, we teach and show how each of those comes to life. And what, if it, if it comes to how you embed it in sustainability, it's, we still do the same types of training at every, uh, probably about at every six weeks, we have what's called a brand power hour. It's the, it's the, it's the next generation of the Jim Stengel power hour. <laughs> I like the name. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's, uh, cause it's, it's power learning and we, yeah. you know, we give examples and we show people, okay, we've even done one around how you make this happen. It, the beginning of every one of those power hours has the brand building framework and how it leads to superiority and how it leads to results 
in terms of growing the market, growing share, growing users, growing sales, growing profit. T- just this morning, we had the It's Our Home uh, Earth Day Summit, which was, you know, an hour and a half to actually close to, yeah, an hour and a half of case studies that you went through and looked at all of the different things that we are doing in terms of how we're innovating and building brands. So learning is kind of like a campaign. We still do an internal brand building campaign all the time about how to build our brands and how to do it in a, a way that's sustainable. And you're never complacent on it, right? It's always no. evolving. You're always improving. Constantly. Marco, I'd like you to talk a bit about what Mark just said. You're operationalizing in your job. Yeah. You know, as a line leader, everything sure. Mark just talked about. So what have you learned as you've operationalized the the uh, principles and the framework that Mark just went through? Yeah, I mean, I think a few things I would highlight. Um, I think first, um, a key capability that we have is the Sustainability Academy. And so these are just virtual training sessions that are available to the organization to really upskill in this area. Um, separately, as a fabric and home care business, we've really taken on the challenge of upskilling our leaders in this area. We found that to be a key focus area for us as we think about how to reach our um, ambition 2030 goals. And so starting with, um, call it our band four or five, so the, the senior director and vice president level in the organization, how do we continue to upskill them through uh, quarterly training and sessions, sharing a lot of the case studies that Mark just referenced. Um, the other thing that I would mention is how do we operationalize it is, is tied to our initiative work processes. And so really looking at each of our innovations and asking the questions about what is the impact of each of these innovations in terms of how we're getting better from a sustainability standpoint. So we scorecard ourselves red, yellow, green for each um, initiative that we launch because we want to continuously make progress in the area of sustainability. And the final thing that I'd mentioned, which I think for me as a leader has been eye-opening and something that keeps us on track is, as I mentioned, as a company, when we commit to something externally, we have a plan to deliver it. And so one of the things that is um, expected of us by our leaders is to come with, hey, what is our glide path to deliver each of these different goals? And how are we in terms of making progress against each of those? So when we have our annual reviews, that is one of the things that we are expected to bring is, are we on track for our uh, packaging waste reductions? Are we on track as we think about um, our carbon emissions targets. So I really think that um, we are doing that double click in, Jim, to say beyond just what the consumer sees, can do we have the right systems in place to underpin it and to ensure that the results are indeed sustainable? Accountability, transparency, I mean, key P&G principles of doing business. It's beautiful to hear. Hey, I want to flip it back to you, Mark. Uh, and maybe get Marco to be involved in this as well. Marco said these beautiful words about your leadership in this space, you know, about a half hour ago. Uh, I was looking at a study that Deloitte, you know, did in the market. And the study found that 56% of branding or marketing senior leaders had little to no say in the sustainability strategies and plans in their companies. 56%, the majority, which I found like, what? So, Mark, I'd love you to 
to speak to our audience out there who may not be as involved as a leader as you are. What's your counsel to those senior marketing executives at companies across the world to get as involved in this as you are and to make the kind of impact you're making? That That is an astounding fact. I um, didn't realize that. Now, and, and you know this, as we get into different uh, industry efforts, we do find lot, lots of the, the marketing leaders are looking for, for roadmaps and ways. So, so, so to some extent, it's, it's kind of understandable. Um, uh, but, the, but the advice I, I would provide is, one is, if you have it, sustainability officer, talk to your sustainability officer as a starting point. I give um, Virginia Helias great credit for, she engaged me very early in this, in this journey. She, she said, you know, this, this is going to have to come from, uh, mar- w- from marketing and with marketing leadership. And it, and it comes down to is focusing on who is the who are the consumers that you're serving. So that's a big piece of advice. Who are you serving? What how important is uh, sustainability to them? Whether it be a consumer, a customer, a client, whatever. Um, find those insights because those insights are what allow you then to be able to unlock how you can translate it into your service or product which then leads to how you can translate it into how you communicate it and how you market it, how you create demand for it and how you bring it, bring it to market. So um, if you, if you come at it through that lens of your business, it, it makes it a lot clearer that there's literally no choice that marketing leadership needs to be part of this because it's, it's part of your core business. Why I think it's kind of understandable in some cases why many have not been involved is because it's been separate. It's been a it's been a separate either a corporate effort or a bolted on effort or even just focused on the the operations of the business, and and that's fine and that's good and it's actually where we started. But when you start doing your life cycle analysis or LCA and look at your footprint, you realize okay, well that's a portion of the environmental impact. But the larger portion is, in our case, the usage of our products. So that's where you need to now build it into your your business model and build it into innovation and they're building into demand creation. And, you know, frankly, our jobs in terms of helping consumers use the right habits to use the product, that's a huge marketing challenge. Getting people to use their dishwasher versus washing dishes, habit change. Yeah. Scrape load done, habit change. Turn to short, habit change. Um, lots of, of, of real marketing opportunities. Marco, can you comment on what Mark just said? And I'd also love you to talk a bit about this habit change point Mark made. Sure. I mean, that is marketing, right? And you've done a great job of that in home care. How have you done it? Yeah, I would say, you know, to just echo Mark's comments, I, I think that... Um, sustainability has to be part of marketing's job uh, because it's so foundational to driving that habit change. And I think one of the things that we're learning is um, the habit change has to be linked to some level of consumer benefit. Um, you know, one of the biggest sustainability opportunities that many of our brands would see is the opportunity for refills as an example. Um, but today, refilling is a messy job for consumers and they view it as difficult and taking more time. And so 
one of the challenges ahead of us, which I think marketing needs to be at the center of is how might we revolutionize or reimagine that job for the consumer in a way that makes the habit change easier. And, you know, one of the ones I would highlight from um, the home care portfolio is, is really Dawn Power Wash, um, which we launched with a refill model. Um, but the actual spray that uh, Power Wash doesn't, and even when consumers use it, you see them do this hand motion action because it is like a delightful experience to use Power Wash. But it also requires a habit change because you actually spray the dishes or you spray the surface before you actually um, turn on any water. And so you actually see up to a 50% uh, reduction in water usage. Now, if we led with, hey, consumers, please use Dawn Power Wash because it reduces you know, water usage by 50%, people would likely not use it. But because they know that the performance is predicated on having the suds from the Power Wash actually activated prior to rinsing, that's the reason why the water reduction happens. And so it's a way that the consumer sees a, you know, significant benefit that requires them to actually or prompts them to actually say, yeah, I'm willing to make that habit change. But I think the more we can do things that allow the benefit to be significantly greater to warrant the habit change, that's when we actually see the behaviors move. And that's what I think is the big challenge ahead of us as marketers and why it's so important for us to be, you know, at the forefront as we look to drive this um, industry change to more sustainable solutions. And what's so amazing about that that example is, is how Marco's team had to do iterations of advertising in order to be able to get to the point where you explained you don't rinse until you're done, until the end. That's right. So spray white rinse. <laughs> spray white rinse. Exactly. Right. It was uh, it was it was brilliant. That's that's marketing. And uh, and that's exciting. We opened up the show talking a bit about leadership and I want to close it talking a bit about leadership. In my research before this show, I learned that you have were named coach of the year, Marco, in the brand building organization at PNG. So, Mark, I'd like to flip it to you. Marco talked about the impact you've had in this topic we've been talking about. I'd like you to share with our audience why Marco was coach of the year in the brand building organization. Marco <laughs> is is one of the single, I mean, really one of the single best coaches that anybody could ever have. First of all, she mentors dozens of people, can't even count how many people she mentors. But Marco is 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 one of those people who is it is very obvious that she cares about every individual, um, and it's and it's and it's there's this there's a gravitational pull to to Marco um, that because of you could you could just you could feel every every ounce of her um, is 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 full of purpose values and principles and Marco is very clear one of the, one of the one of the clearest communicators in terms of what's expected what you need to do when you're meeting the expectations praise and when you're not constructive uh, uh, d dialogue and description and uh, or, or constructive criticism if where necessary but done in a way that allows people to rise to the occasion so what you see is it's it's the testimony of it is the outcome um, which is really brilliant brand building 
on, on so many different fronts and a highly motivated organization. Um, so it, it just, it makes a difference. I'm, I'm now in, envisioning all of the, the key people, um, you know, like, like Angelica and Garen and, 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 the, and team, you know, they're the, these people who benefit from Marco's clarity, passion, and, uh, deep values. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much. Marco, I can't, I can't let you, you're smiling for our viewers. She's smiling. <laughs> her, has a beautiful smile. I, for those in our audience who would love to be coach of the year in their organizations, Marco, could yeah. you share one piece of advice from your perspective for our listeners? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing I would say is really um, get to know the people who work for you and let them know how much you really do, how much you really are invested in them and helping them to achieve their goals and really understanding what they are. Uh, because I think oftentimes um, I've been in situations where I coach people based on what I want for them or what I might want for myself. And I think it's really important today to really understand what do people want for themselves and how do we help best unlock that for them um, and be the best supporter that we can to help them achieve what success looks like for them. Marco, Mark, this has been a beautiful conversation. I'm filled Thanks, with pride that I that I worked at this company for many years. I, and I love what you've done in the years since I've left. And this work you're doing in sustainability is classic P&G at its best. So thank you for sharing your insights. This is going to be so helpful to so many companies and people in this in this Earth Month we are recording in. And I think what P&G says is let's make every day and every month Earth Day and Earth Month. Yeah. Thanks, Jim, for the honor. It's an honor to be here with you. That was my conversation about sustainability and brand building with Mark and Marco. Three takeaways from this one for your business brand and life. The first one, integrate sustainability into your brand building approach. Don't make it a bolt on. If you can think about building your brand sustainability as part of your superiority and part of your benefit for consumers, you will be more successful. Second takeaway. Reduce the mental load for consumers. Most of the sustainability efforts that will make an impact involve habit change. PNG is a master at inspiring habit change while reducing the mental load for the consumer, making it simpler. Third takeaway, don't underestimate the power of internal learning, inspiration, and upskilling. PNG is great at this. Marco and Mark talked about they have a program to upskill their leaders. So they're always thinking about training and internal development. And bonus takeaway Marco is one of the greatest coaches within PNG's culture, which means she's one of the greatest coaches in the world. Her magic, it all comes down to getting to know your people, what motivates them, caring about them, and caring deeply about their development their goals and how that links to the business and brand. That's it for this episode of the CMO podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.